All right, so, uh, uh, so thank you for coming to this library talk on prayer and uh, uh, ministry and academic work. Uh, my name is Dougal McLaren. I'm the uh, research and outreach coordinator here at the library. Uh, I took a sabbatical last year from leading these library talks and just kind of listened to people as we were um, you know, breaking up from our library talks last semester. And I just, uh, for me, I, I don't like to repeat myself a lot, and I realize that we have not said what the purpose of library talks is for quite some time. And so I just wanted to kind of reiterate uh, what it is that we do here. Um, and really it is uh, to express what is kind of a core belief with libraries, and that is uh, a freedom of speech and the uh, freedom of, uh, f uh, to have free inquiry. And so uh, some of our talks will have discussions like today where we're talking about practical things and the importance of prayer in ministry and academics. Other times we'll be uh, discussing things that are topics that are, um, you know, academically related. And you may find some things that you disagree with or agree with, but we're really hoping to start that conversation um, here in the, in the uh, library talk and let that continue on after the library talk is over, whether it's in question and answer that we give uh, the time that we give at the end or it's, you know, as you leave here, uh, just to really give you access to different viewpoints or, um, you know, learn from people who have been experienced in ministry for uh, quite some time uh, to, to hear some things that maybe you haven't thought of before. And so that's really the core of, of uh, what library talks is about. And so uh, thank you all for coming today. Um, let me introduce our speakers. Uh, we have uh, to the, my far right, Dr. Chuck Lawless. Um, he is the professor of evangelism and missions. Uh, he is the dean of doctoral studies, uh, vice president for spiritual formation and ministry centers, and the Richard and Gina Hedrick Chair of World Missions. And then immediately to my right is Dr. Uh, immediately to my right is Dr. Jim Shaddix, Professor of Preaching and the W.A. Criswell Chair of Expository Preaching. Thank you both for being here today. I really Honor. appreciate you taking your time. Um, so let me just uh, throw out there just to get you guys, uh, you know, the, the conversation going. What, what has been your personal experience with prayer in ministry and academics? How, how has it changed over the years or, or maybe... Um, uh, what, what has been your experiences, your successes, and maybe even some some uh, hardships that you've had with, with prayer? You know, I, I think about my my journey with prayer, and I I like most people I think uh, who were raised in church, uh, I was told to pray, not taught to pray, and and so I. I knew I needed to, but didn't know how to. And any time leaders tell us what to do, but don't teach us what to do, they, they set us up for defeat uh, and for failure. And so for a long time, my, my journey of prayer, frankly, was nothing more than failure. It was, I knew I needed to do it. I did it in emergency times, crises, uh, but it wasn't, it wasn't DNA for me. And it really was until I started studying spiritual warfare uh, years into my spiritual journey that I began to see that, that prayer is more than just a go-to in the midst of, of crisis. That it had to become more lifestyle, uh, not just in reaction to the battle, but in preparation for the battle. Uh, and that began to turn me around a little bit in my, in my walk. 
Yeah, I think my journey would be very similar. I would uh, concur with uh, what Chuck said just about um, knowing prayer, you know, growing up in a Christian home and being raised in, you know, in churches, knowing prayer was something we were supposed to do and certainly having a, a, a token, uh, I guess, involvement in it, um, but really, really not understanding um, its import until really after our, I think I was uh, pastoring my first church. And uh, without going into a lot of detail, uh, it's really the, you know, the thing that set me on a journey that ended me up in theological education, interestingly. But it was just a ministry crisis uh, in which I, I came to the place of realizing that we can do this thing uh, you know, that we do in ministry leadership, and we can do it our entire lives in a way that most people would look on and say we were successful at it, you know, we're effective at it, but yet all the time be doing it completely devoid of anything otherworldly. And that scared me, you know, it, it, it scared me to death to think that, you know, I could, uh, you know, have a dynamic enough personality or be a good enough orator or know enough about leadership or administration that people wanted to be a part of what I was doing and you know and lead an organization to grow but but it not require anything supernatural um, and that's when I, that's when I, I started just similar to what he's saying about spiritual warfare same thing happened in my life just with regard to de desperation for God uh, you know and, and, and that drove me I think to understand or grow in my understanding that prayer was a key component in that. Not the only thing, uh, but was a key component in uh, accessing God, you know, t uh, knowing Him more, uh, uh, communing with Him more, and, you know, tapping into His power for, for ministry. You know. So, uh, just with a quick show of hands, how many of you ex have experienced uh, what Dr. Lawless and Dr. Shaddix were talking about with like uh, being told to pray but never talked about why or how. I mean, that, that's my story. Okay. All right, good. So let's, let's flesh that out a little bit um, of, of uh, what is prayer for the Christian. Um, and we'll start there and then move to ministry and academics. Well, I think prayer is, is conversation with God. You know, it's, it's the avenue that He has given us to be able to commune with Him. So it, it becomes the, you know, the channel between heaven and earth, if you will, earth and heaven, um, the, the opportunity for humanity to, to talk to uh, the divine. Um, and so... Uh, I think that's a, a lot of times uh, I, I know early on as I, and, and even still, when I find myself reverting back to prayer as just a spiritual discipline, it's, it's easy for me to lose sight of that nature, you know, of what prayer is, and that is, is conversation with and communion with uh, my Lord. So. Yeah, it is, it is the sense of communication. I, I like that, that word. Because it is, it is, it's conversation in the sense that we're speaking to God and listening to Him. Uh, and so I don't think it can be disconnected from our reading of the Word. That's right. That we hear from God and we speak to God and we learn how to just quietly listen. To, to Jim's point earlier, 
it, it's, it's driven by a longing for God. And it's, it's, it's fascinating because it's a longing for God, and yet there's this, this reality, this mystery that we get to speak to the divine, is, is the word that, that Jim used. Uh, that ought to amaze us, and, and that ought to drive us to our knees, if, if nothing else, just in humility, and then out of that learn to, to speak to him. Okay. Um, so how do you, uh, knowing that, how did that change your prayer life? How did that, uh, you know, switching from just, uh, Dr. Lawless, you mentioned, uh, you know, just being something where you cry, cry out in crisis, how did that change uh, what you were doing as far as the practice of prayer? Yeah, it became, it became much more than just this is the discipline I have to do today. Because many of us start this way. We, we think in terms of, all right, I'm not praying like I should. I need to start praying more. So we, we set our, our goals in place. We're going to get up at 5 a.m. every morning and pray for an hour. And, and that lasts maybe five minutes, long enough to hit the snooze alarm again. And, and it just doesn't work. Uh, but I tried that. I tried that for years, figuring out this is what it's got to look like. This is how other people do it. So I have to just schedule this in and make this happen and then get on with my day. I think what I've learned since then is it really is, it really is an ongoing conversation. Not that you don't have those times when you just set apart time to, to be with God in prayer, but if we're not conversing with him throughout the day, uh, I think we're missing something. Now, that's probably the biggest change for me, is it just became an ongoing conversation with him. And I struggle on the other side of it, you know, too. I, I think if I could just press pause for a minute, maybe rewind, uh, go through this conversation, um, and I want to be clear that this is not something that I've mastered. You know, I used to think when I was young that the older I got as a Christian, the easier the Christian life would become. And that things like soul winning, you know, sharing my faith and prayer would just become natural. And, and they probably are for some. They, they probably are for this guy. No, no, no. No, no, no. no. Not, not at all. Uh, but no. but I... I I know from my experience, yeah. and I think it's part of that spiritual warfare you mm -hmm. know, that, that you mentioned, this continues to be an uphill battle. It, it continues to be an uphill climb, a struggle of the flesh. You know, I, I hope there are parts of it that are more natural, but uh, it, it, you know, that, you know, what you're talking about and, uh, and the discipline part of it is the part I have to, you, to, to make sure that I is still a part. So I guess what I'm saying, it's not an either or, uh, you know, a Pauline pray without ceasing where we're always in conversation or a this is my time. I think it's a both and. Um, the thing I can't get away from is the fact that the, the man that could be in constant communion with the Father more than any of us will ever be still found it necessary to steal away for extended, unhurried, protected, insulated times with the Father. And I, I, I think in putting those together, one of the things that, that I've discovered is if I, I have that as part of my repertoire of prayer, I guess, or part of my, my prayer life, those, those disciplined, extended times, I have, a, more, I have a, a better tendency then to have the ongoing conversation throughout the day. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think... Uh, the, the greatest prayer warriors I know personally, uh, 
not a one of them would say that they're good praying people. Yeah. Uh, they would all say the more they learn to pray, the more they recognize they don't pray mm -hmm. like they should. The, the people that talk a lot about their prayer life who would say, I've, I've reached a good level of prayer in my life, uh, who sometimes even use the terminology of prayer warriors, uh, can become strangely elitist in their, in their spiritual yeah. walk uh, and arrogant in, in who they are. And so I think for all of us, when we come to the place to say, I pray well, uh, we, have, we have other issues we have, we have to walk <laughs> through. So you guys have mentioned, uh, you know, setting aside time to pray, uh, to pray and then, you know, praying throughout the day. So uh, first I want to start with kind of talking about how you build prayer into your daily lives. I mean, you, you both have, you're both busy. Um, you have academic and ministerial responsibilities. Um, so how do you build it into your day? And then we're going to, uh, after that, kind of switch into like, what does prayer look like? Or what are some models for prayer? for students to, to uh, begin learning so that they can institute that practice in their life? Well, I, I still <laughs> wrestle with, as Jim said, figuring out how to fit it all into my life because, because I am busy. Uh, frankly, I did away with years ago a sense of I have to have a set time and a place for me to, to do this, simply because no matter what the hour of the day is, there's no guarantee it's always going to be free with my, with my calendar, my schedule. So where I landed at was one in the morning when, when I start the day, I always have a verse of the day sent to me. I met with my, my guys that I'm mentoring this morning and, and I just walk them through. The verse of the day shows up in my inbox and, and that's very intentional because when I get up very early in the morning, uh, I'm going to go check my email. Uh, even when I say I shouldn't, I do. Uh, but I want, I want that verse of the day staring me in the face and it allows me to read at least something from the Word and then meditate on that and pray through that for even just a few minutes. So it's a starting point. Uh, my, my larger prayer time is going to be later in the day when I'm doing my deeper Bible study where it becomes very much conversation. I read, I respond, I read, I respond, uh, confess as needed, claim promises as needed, pray for others, intercede as, as needed. So that really becomes my, my what we more likely think of as our set prayer time. Uh, but that could happen at any point during the day. In between, it's just a matter of, Lord, I have to go to this meeting, and I don't really want to be at this meeting, so help me to, help me to pay attention. Lord, I have, to have, uh, I have to go teach this class, and I feel unprepared for this class, so help me to do something for your glory, uh, where, where it really is ongoing. Hey, let's just chat. Who's sending you that verse of the day? Is that God? You, I mean, this yes, <laughs> yes, I hope. Yes. <laughs> you know, I honestly, one of my guys asked me that question, so I have no idea. I just, I just went online, did a verse of the day search, and signed up for oh, it. Okay. So I, all I know is it's the Holman Christian Bible. Ah, so, yeah. so. Um, I, I'm obsessive compulsive, okay? I, I like things in order, and I like routine. And that's bad uh, when, you know, when that gets thrown off, you know, because it, it, it messes everything up. So I'm not saying that's a positive thing, but because of that, I'm, uh, you know, I, I'm better helped uh, in regularity with regard to spiritual disciplines if I do have a routine. And so I, I think my routine, I, I, I'm a, I love getting up early. 
I don't like staying up. So I don't say that as a spiritual thing because I'll go to the other end and say, I don't like staying up late. You know, I, I can't. I, I fall asleep and I, I need to go to bed early. And so, but I like, I like getting up early. Uh, and so, um, you know, for me, I, I have a routine. I would be lying if I said it like Chuck's saying, it doesn't get interrupted. Some of that has to do with the kind of ministry that, you know, that we're both in right now with travel and, you know, and that type of thing that are not always the case, you know, for everybody. But as, as much as possible, uh, I'm an early riser and I have some certain things that, you know, that I would, uh, would say characterize my communion with the Lord uh, in, the, in the early mornings. Uh, now again, I trust that that gives birth to you know the ongoing conversations and the you know the the praying at, at different times. Uh, but you know I I've got some things that uh, you know that I do with regard to uh, Bible reading, um, uh, praying through the Psalms, uh, using the Psalms you know as a prayer guide. Um, just some, you know, Valley of Vision. I have a Puritan prayer, you know, that I, I use every day. I read one of those and pray through it. And, uh, and, then, and then just some things that we would say, you know, are, are common on our prayer list type of, you know, of things. But, um, you, know, those are, you know, those are things that I, I, I try to use to, you know, to thrust me into that conversation early on. Okay. Um, what would be some advice that you would give uh, someone who is, is trying to improve their prayer life? Um, maybe they haven't, they've never had a good prayer life, but just trying to get that started. Like, what, what recommendations would you give them, like, uh, you know, as far as, like, making a schedule or, uh, you know, like, I know some models of prayer are, like, acts, we, um, you know, uh, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and and supplication, you know, what what would you hand someone, or even a new Christian, what would you hand them to help them improve their prayer life? Start with you, Dr. Shaddix. I'm going to go back to something we, you know, we're talking about earlier where we started about learning how to pray. Mm -hmm. One of the, I think if I look back and I tried to identify what taught me the most about prayer, it wouldn't be a, a book. You know, it wouldn't be a book on prayer. It wasn't necessarily a class on prayer. It was listening to people pray. You know, we, we learn by listening. I, I heard Dr. Lawless say this in another panel we were doing um, a number of months ago just about the, you know, the need to let our kids hear us pray, you know, as, as parents, overhear us. And, and that, that started me thinking, you know, just about, you know, that's really the way I learned to pray, listening to my parents pray uh, and then listening to godly, you know, uh, people pray. And so even before a formula or a tool, which there are some that have been helpful for me that I can mention, but I, I, would, I would tell somebody, get around people who pray. And even if you're not praying or voicing a prayer while they're praying, listen to them pray. And, and, and I'm talking about godly people that, you know, are pursuing the Lord. You know, find them in your local church. Find them in your small group. Find them, you know, in the seminary context, fellow students, professors, whatever. Get around people 
uh, that you can listen to pray. I, I agree. Yeah. In fact, I, I can think back to, uh, I've been a believer a long time, but I can think back to my teenage years and I think about the, the deacons who prayed over our offering every Sunday. I, I can still take you back to this deacon prayed this way, this deacon prayed this way. I, I have a, a man who's now with the Lord. His, his, he and his wife really became my Christian parents before my, my father became a believer. And they'd invite me over to their house every Sunday for, for lunch. And the dad prayed the exact same prayer of grace, I mean, word for word, every time we, we had a, a meal. Uh, but I still remember it. I, I listened to it. I heard it. I may not do it exactly the same way, but all of these folks helped me to learn a little bit about, about prayer. And so I do think we have to put ourselves around people who pray and, and yes, ask them, show me what you do with prayer, but that in and of itself is insufficient, I think. You can get that out of a book. Uh, I think we need to ask people, would you please pray for me uh, and listen and just learn how to, how to pray from them. And just like anything else, sometimes listening to people pray, we learn things not to do. Yeah, we do. <laughs> yeah. We do. That's because right. Because there sometimes you're listening to somebody pray, and it's just obvious. It's a show, you know, yeah. and you, yeah. uh, but you, I think we learn from that. You know, we hear that and we say, I, I don't want to go there. You know, I, I, this happens for me. Uh, you know, it's really created an awareness and a burden in my own life for pastoral prayers, uh, you know, at the end of a message, you know, mm -hmm. when the pastor finishes his message and says, you know, let's pray. That happens a lot of times. And just to hear the, you know, just the, the flippancy with yeah. which that yeah. is done, I hear that and I say, I don't want to do that. It makes me conscious of, I want that to be more authentic, more genuine, more sincere. So sometimes listening to people pray, we learn things not That's to true. do. That's yeah. true. I'll mention another thing, probably the most practical thing for me uh, that I would I would say to somebody that is is use the Psalms. You know, we've got this entire book of the Bible that is this prayers, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, this is, is one of the things that transformed my you know my own prayer life with regard to how I talk to God. I think for a long time I used to. Uh, you know, I used to be in that mode of, you know, well, prayer is just, we've just got to be reverent. And, 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 and our, my idea of reverence was very cold and quiet and, um, uh, you know, not aggressive, unaggressive. Um, and I, reading the Psalms helped me to see a guy that, I, I don't know how else to describe it, to say he had as a very earthy relationship with God. You know, uh, he, he at one point could be, you know, grabbing God by the shoulders and saying, look at me when I'm talking to you, you know, uh, and please, you know, don't, don't, you, you, you've turned your back on me, don't, you know, and just begging and pleading. And in the very next sentence, he's worshiping, you know, he's honoring God. He never, he lived in that tension, you know, the psalmist seemed to live in that tension. Um, and so when somebody is saying, I don't know how to pray or I don't. I can't stay focused when I pray. All of the struggles that we have. One of the things that I would say is just take take the Psalms. Take a Psalm, you know, one each day, 
and pray through it. Pray those things. Pray like he's talking about. Interact with that. And that, that's a very tangible way, you know, to have just like we might use an acronym or an acrostic that reminds us of certain prayer. The Psalms are going to bring all of those things out, like adoration and confession and thanksgiving and supplication and, you know, any other model that we use. They're all going to show up in there, but there's probably going to be a little bit more variety with regard to the order they come in and, and that type of thing. So, yeah, I would say use the Psalms. And I, I would do the same thing yeah. with the prayers of Paul. Oh, uh, they're, they're just there. Yeah. And, and he does it better than we would typically do it. Yeah. And so just reading, walking through those prayers as he writes to believers can be pretty powerful. The other thing I would add is, as I, as I look at prayer, I, I describe prayer as a longing for a relationship and a cry of dependence. It's, it's both. It's longing for God and a recognition that we need God. And so if I, if I want to pray better, I, I encourage us to find prayer warriors that we trust who will pray for us, that we will long for God more and need God more. Uh, the first one we look forward to, the second one can be painful uh, because when God brings us to need, uh, sometimes he has to break us to get us there. Mm. But, but if I want to learn how to pray, uh, I want somebody who does know how to pray praying that I will learn how to pray. And that, that really uh, highlights, Chuck, the, the issue of motivation, you know, too. When we, we think about, mm -hmm. gosh, I, I don't know how to pray. I don't want to, you know, I, I want to pray more. It, we're really not talking about an issue of methodology. You know, that's not our, it's just like that's you right. said, you can that's find right. that in a book and we can learn it in the others. But, but ours is a problem of motivation. Same thing is true with soul winning. You know, our, our problem is not that we need another presentation of the gospel. Uh, our problem is an issue of motivation, you know, being motivated to do that. Well, the interesting thing about prayer is I think the way we grow in our motiv motivation and this development of this longing for God is actually comes about by this thing that we're trying to do, uh, at least in part. You know, so the way that we we know more about God and we long more for Him, and our motivation is heightened, is that we talk to Him and we converse with Him in His Word. Mm -hmm. And so that's where it does come back to a discipline thing. You know, it's like which comes first. You know, the chicken or the egg, and which comes first. The you. you you love Jesus more, so you want to be with him more, so you pray more, or do you pray more and that leads you to love Jesus more? Well, the answer is yes. You know, it's a both and. And so we, you know, we, the, the, there's an element of which our discipline in this and, you know, the answer to your question and how do we go about doing this is one of the things that gets us to where we know him more, you know. Uh, and our goal can't be to be a greater prayer warrior. I, 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 I missed this for a long time. I just I thought that was a goal. I want to be a greater prayer warrior, and I want the people I'm shepherding in the church to be greater prayer warriors. That's not the motivation of prayer. The motivation of prayer is I want to know more of God. I want to know Him more, and I want my people to know Him more and long for Him. And, and that is what feeds and fuels, I think, greater prayer. 
So um, trying to figure out how to ask this question, um, being an introvert, that's hard for me in the public forum. But, um, you know, just, just talking about that motivation and, um, and trying to uh, take that into kind of what these guys are experiencing in their academic lives and, um, uh, you know, ministerial lives. How, how uh, would you flesh that out for them as far as like, you know, expressing that dependence and having motivation to pray in regards to, say, assignments or, um, you know, uh, business meetings at church or something like that, you know, <laughs> like what would, uh, you know, just kind of add some, uh, you know, some even some stories from your own life or practical advice that you would give them about, you know, incorporating that prayer throughout the day. Well, I, I do think that we're in one of the most difficult settings to develop prayer in our life uh, in the academic setting uh, for, for a number of reasons, not, not the least of which is you come here and we're training you to be the, the best equipped students and graduates you, you can be. We want you to be the best out there. We want you to have the, the knowledge, the information, the skill. We want you to have the head, heart, the hands, all of that. And we're pushing you toward excellence. We're, we're pushing you toward achievement. Now, I don't think we back down from that. I don't think we decide. We want you to pray more, so uh, don't worry about doing anything with excellence. Uh, that's, that's not what we do. But I, I think our call to dependence on God while we're also pushing you to achieve just makes it harder to, to develop a prayer life on a campus like this. It means we have to fight harder to get it done uh, and have folks in our life who remind us, folks who, have, who live beyond us, who can say, you know what, I was there once. And I struggle with the same thing. But now, looking back, I realize how important prayer really is. And so they can help speak into our lives. I've, I, think, I think one of the ways we have to learn how to do this is to, as we begin assignments, as we begin exams, whatever we're doing, we begin projects, I encourage our students to cover your efforts in prayer before you ever get started. And then when you get stuck in the middle or you're trying to read a chapter and it's just getting tedious, then you, you pray again, Lord, help me to stay focused here. And then everything you finish, everything you get done, you get done not because you're good, but because God helps you to get it done. I think, I think that's a call for a prayer of thanksgiving. So it's a prayer of preparation, a prayer of thanksgiving at the beginning and the end of everything we do and, and in that praying, we're at least coming close to saying, God, I need your help to get this done. It's, it's a starting point. Yeah, and I'll, uh, you know, for me personally, you know, you, you specifically mentioning like reading through a chapter. And, and you know, uh, uh, there was a period where I had to read 100 pages a day for six weeks. And, you know, there, there was that prayer of God, help me to understand what I'm reading because I need to do it quickly. And, yeah. uh, you know, and, you know, and help me stay awake, you know, for this as well. And just, you know, there, to me, that was one of the closest times to God that I, that I've had in my academic studies was, was, or where I felt closest to God was during that, those six weeks where I'm praying that prayer yeah. every day. Good. And what that taught me was that's how I should be when it comes to in the face of temptation. Um, you know, when, when I feel inadequate, you know, to share the gospel, as you were saying, you know, being motivated, you know, to call out to him for, for prayer. You know, that, that's what that taught me in my, through my academic process. Yes, yeah, so, sometimes I'll pray yeah. that way in grading a paper. God, help me to 
keep reading this thing. Uh, <laughs> it can wear us out too. And so, I, Lord, I need your help to do this fairly and kindly and well. I, I think j just you know, playing off of that, um, if prayer is a conversation and, and it's, it is a manifestation of our relationship with God, then our interaction with one another as professors uh, among each other, professors to students and then students to students, uh, just life, you know, this is life right now. Okay, this is, this is your life, uh, this season that you're in. And so it's, it's not any different than, you know, the real world out there. You're interacting with people. There are going to be relationships. There are going to be relationship struggles. There are going to be task challenges, you know, like assignments and responsibilities. And, you know, just uh, giving yourself, uh, giving ourselves to make sure that our response to those relationships is conversation with God. It becomes conversation mm -hmm. with God. Consequently, uh, and, and I've, I've had some very real, you know, struggles with some students, uh, you know, in, in addition to struggles with church members, uh, you know, in churches, the church I'm a part of, churches where I serve as interim pastor that, you know, are things that I need to make sure I'm not just being anxious about. Um, and I'm not blowing off as part of a professional, you know, deal. Uh, but those things are driving me to God to talk to Him about and bring those things before the Lord. And I think the same thing can happen as students in navigating all of these assignments and uh, you know the things that go along with that. I, would back, I want to back up just for a second in a, from a big picture standpoint and say something that I, I don't know. Chuck, you and I maybe have never talked about this, and I would love for you to uh, speak to it, disagree with it, correct it. <laughs> but one of the things that <clears throat> I, I have tried to say to students is don't forget that seminary is a parenthesis of time in your life. It hasn't always been like this, and it won't always be like this. Now, that doesn't mean that you, there will be a time when you are less busy uh, because any minister of the gospel that is worth his or her salt is always going to be busy. We're always going to be spending ourselves, even when you get done with seminary. But what the difference will be is when you get out of seminary, you'll have more control over your time. Uh, and, and, and now you don't. You know, you've got, you know, we're throwing syllabi at you. You've got these, you know, tons of books to read, papers to write. You've got all of this stuff like you were talking about. Yeah, I want to read my Bible, but I've got, you know, thousand pages to read of this all of that you know is coming your way I think it's real easy for us to put you on a guilt trip you know I have my students read Ian Bounds here's a brother that prayed three or four hours a day you know and you read that as a seminary student and you're thinking you know I'm a loser I, I could never do this you know and because you're comparing it to where you are right now and, and one of the things that I try to say to students is, I think seminary is a season of time where you won't be able to do as much of all of the things related to the Christian life that you would like to do because you are in this parenthesis. Uh, and, and, and so if you apply that to prayer, I, I, I think it's, you know, it's, it's not a sin to realize you may not be able to pray as long 
while you're in seminary as you would like to pray. But the other side to that is, if you don't maintain the discipline and the practice of it while you're in that parenthesis, then it's highly unlikely that when you get out, you will continue that. Uh, and so I just, uh, you know, I, I, I want to encourage, you know, students in this academic context to, to remember that this is a parenthesis of time. It, it is not as life is always going to be. Um, and so there may be degrees of things we can't do as much, but that doesn't mean we can shelf the disciplines uh, and shelf the practices of those things while we're, we're doing it. Yeah, I'm, I agree. I agree. This is a, this is a unique setting uh, when you're on a seminary campus in, in, in many ways. You, you have other things on your plate already. Uh, this is the, the real world is here, but when you get out into ministry and you're dealing with day-to-day -day lives, it's just, it's just different. Uh, and you will indeed likely have more opportunity to invest in the things that you want to do but to Jim's point, that's hardly to say that you're suddenly going to have a whole lot of time once you graduate. Uh, yeah. Every role change I've made, I thought life would slow down some. And I've, I think I've come to the place to say heaven will be the next place where life will slow down. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe it won't. Uh, it, it just doesn't happen. <laughs> and, so, and so what we have to do is we have to build some level of discipline in. I, I would rather us discipline ourselves to spend 10 minutes a day in prayer and 10 minutes a day in the reading of the Word and be consistent in that than one day a week when I have time figure out how to get into the Word. Because once we get out of here, if we haven't developed a discipline, uh, we're not going to pick it up right. just because we've graduated. It, yeah. it just it won't happen with prayer, it won't happen with Bible study, it won't happen with evangelism. Uh, it won't happen with prioritizing your family. It's just not going to unless you develop something of a discipline while you're while you're here. Yeah. I, I just I want to insert at this point how grateful to God I am. I think for the opportunities uh, in the atmosphere at Southeastern. You know, nobody's paying me to say this, but. I know that our administration, you know, uh, really uh, came to a place some time ago of saying uh, this needs to be part of our identity, our DNA. Uh, and there were some brothers, you know, I know Steve Gaines, Tom Elif, uh, you know, that, that challenged us, you know, in this area, just like we, you know, we're known as a great commission seminary and maybe another seminary's got some other identity that, you know, they're kind of known for. and. And I, I know Tom, you know, was one of the guys that just raised the question, you know, what, what seminary is known as the, as the, the praying seminary? And, uh, you know, he's not, he, he wasn't saying that, you know, to do something from a PR standpoint. He was mm -hmm. saying it from the standpoint of this has got to be a part of who we are. And so I say all of that to say, you know, this brother sitting to my right, right here, his responsibility uh, you know, official responsibility, you know, has to do with fostering that, you know, on our campus. Uh, and he does that. He does it well. And that means there are more things going on that 
that provide opportunities for students and faculty and staff to get connected. You know, I mean, you throw a rock right around the corner here if you could do that, and there's a prayer room, you know, that is available. I've got students that are always inviting me to prayer meetings. Uh, I can't go to all of them, but things that they've started, you know, whether it's in a dorm or in one of the, you know, the housing units or just with some, you know, some uh, friends, you know, this, you know, this colleague here comes uh, to my office suite on a regular basis. He's got an account and gathers, you know, uh, professors there to, to pray together. Uh, and you, you could mention a number of other things. I, I'm just saying there's a lot going on at Southeastern right now that I'm so thankful to be a, a part of that is seeking to provide ways for in the academic arena for people, you know, to be connected to opportunities to pray and learn to pray. So. If I could put a plug in for that, I, I'm always on the lookout for people who want to work beside me, work with me, in helping me to get prayer into the DNA of the institution. I want, I want a student team to work with me. I had one last semester. Uh, many of those folks had to, had to make some changes. Uh, and so if you have any interest at all in talking about that, talk to me and we'll see what we can, what we can do. Our cabinet, from Dr. Aiken down, every time we gather, we spend the first 30, 35 minutes or so just praying for an, this institution praying for our sister institution, praying for our graduates. Uh, we, we want to make sure that we're not just talking prayer, that we're, we're doing prayer as a, as a leadership team. Well, I'll say as a student, it's, uh, we, we hear that and we appreciate that, you know, because we, uh, I mean, you know, I mean, we hear it all the time. At least I, I might be the only person that does that, but or hears things like that. But we we appreciate your prayers. Um, it's encouraging to us to know that um, our leadership is praying for us, and and not only for us, but after we leave with the graduates and, and everything too. So, um, so now I want to open the floor up to you guys. We don't have a mic uh, for the question and answer, um, so if you'll just uh, you know project your voice. Um, uh, but uh, it's, does anybody have any questions for our, our panelists? I will start with you. <coughs> so I wanted to ask a question about um, uh, leadership and prayer with, with your with your wife and your marriage. And uh, I, I find that sometimes with my own personal prayer life, it may be more authentic, more real. Um, but sometimes, you know, with when I pray with my wife, it seems a lot more manufactured or fabricated. Um, and I just wanted to see how like, you lead your wife in my like, prayer time, and do you have like a daily prayer time with your wife, or what does that look like? So I'll, I'll go first. Um, I, I, that has looked different at different seasons uh, in our marriage. Uh, so I, I, you know, I can speak to the season we're in right now, but. You know, to say there have been times where that's looked a lot different. So let me just give you an example. I mean, my wife and I, you know, we had times when our kids were at home that we were praying together as a family. Um, I think there have been different seasons along the way, even outside of the kids, you know, where we did have a regular, you know, every day we were praying together to set time. But that hasn't been the case and is not currently the case. You know, in, in our lives where we have, she has time with the Lord, I have time with the Lord, um, and we, you know, we 
try to encourage one another in that and our consistency in that and we share things you know that we're learning and we pray together you know there are some formal times like meals you know and we would you never want to limit your prayer life to your meals but that is a time when we're together every day and so we will we will always pray at that time but outside of those times we don't necessarily have a you know a set time uh, that we're doing that i think our interaction in sharing you know what we're praying about with one another and uh, and, and then, you know, the ongoing conversation, you know, where there are, are things that, that compel us or drive us to prayer. For example, you know, right now my wife is sick, and so I'm going to be intentional about praying over her, you know, and praying with her as I pray over her. Uh, but that's not necessarily an everyday, you know, a, a day thing. So. Uh, as I said, if I went back earlier in our marriage, there were seasons, you know, there have been seasons where there's been more structure, you know, to that. Same, same thing with Bible study. Uh, you know, times when we were doing study together, reading the Word together, but it hasn't been a, you know, in every season of life, always doing it together. So. Now, she has people, you know, ladies that she gathers to pray for. I've got uh, brothers, you know, and some students that I, you know, I pray with on a regular basis, uh, uh, so. Yeah, I think for, for both genders, in some ways, it's easier to pray with others of the same gender than it is with our spouses. Uh, for, for men, I think our struggle is there's a vulnerability to, to prayer uh, that we might be willing to engage in with other men to talk about our struggles and we're, we're sometimes less inclined to do that with our spouse. I don't think that's right. I think it's just part of the struggle. Uh, and so I think our seasons of life change. When Pam and I first got married, we, we made a commitment that every Saturday morning we were going to pay our bills together, uh, do our devotions together, and go grocery shopping together. Uh, we lasted one Saturday. Uh, <laughs> and that's 28 uh, years. We just didn't, it didn't work at multiple levels. Uh, and, and part of it was because Pam already had her set system for her devotional time. I already had mine. I was 30. She was 34 when we got married. Trying to collapse them and to force them into uh, some kind of transition just wasn't, wasn't working for us. And so we had to come to the place to say, all right, it's okay for us not to do these together. Uh, what we have done is we've, we've developed triggers in our life to remind us to pray. So when, every time we get in the car... We, we pray together. Wherever we're going, whatever we're doing, it's just a, just a quick prayer. Uh, as, um, as I leave in the morning, and sometimes I'm leaving very early and, and she's still in a coma. Uh, and so, so it's not always as easy. But we find those, those times where we can just make sure that we're praying together. Uh, and then when there are other situations that arise where we know we have to, we do so. But we, we don't have a set time. We just say every night we're going we're gonna to sit down together and we're going to do this in our Bible study and in our, our prayer time. Just a follow-up to that. I, you know, I, a number of years ago, uh, it just hit me how unrealistic um, sometimes some of the things we talk about uh, really are. Uh, it, you know, if you... 
you know, you listen to one person says, okay, you need to be discipling your wife, you know, so you need to be taking her. The, and if you got kids, you need to be discipling your kids, and you need to be discipling them individually, you know, so you need to have a time where you're doing this. You need to have family devotion. You need to have your quiet time, and it ought to be a sacrificial, you know, uh, you know extended time of communion. Well, you start doing the math on that deal, and it doesn't add up, you know. It's not realistic, and so... I think we, we have a tendency sometimes to talk about a lot of things that are not realistic uh, with regard to the amount of time you have in, in any given day. And so I, consequently, I think, you know, what I'm saying is that there's going to be some natural fluidity and I'm a little nervous about the word organic because that can mean nothing, you know. Uh, but, you know, there's, there's going to be some ebb and flow to that and different seasons and segments where that may look different. And then we'll come to you. So, Drew? I know you mentioned the, the prayer room and, and alluded to some prayer meetings like that. Are there any other resources on campus for students to be involved in praying together? Um, I know when I was at Southern Review, Dr. Lawless, a key moment for my wife and I was a prayer group, a missions prayer group, where we met friends and, and got together to pray for missions. Is there anything like that specifically going on on campus that students are aware of? We had a lot more of that going on last semester, and that's part of the reason why I'm pleading for folks to work with me, because I, I, this has to be from the, from the ground up, and so I need student leaders to help me do that. And so we're not as organized this semester as we were last semester, but that's not to say that's not my vision. I just got to find the, the workers to help me with that. And the ones I'm aware of are ones that are just initiated by students, you know, that have prayer groups. I, I don't have a list compiled of, you know, of all of them. So, yeah. Okay. Um, Jonathan, and then we'll, if we have time. Uh, this is super time. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm absolutely thrilled for this venue today. Uh, I graduated, got born 10 years ago, Been, got busy in life. Um, Got busy during seminary, got busy during full-time ministry, having kids, all those things. And I am the poster child of what hmm. Dr. Chaddix just, just laid out could be the danger of being busy and not prioritizing things. At this moment, um, I've just been convicted for the last six months of wanting to enrich my prayer life. And, and these practical tips, I'm very, very thankful for. So thank you to the three of you Two books that I'd recommend just just uh, to start, uh, but hear me say, reading the books is not sufficient. One of the one of the dangers of studying prayer and even this kind of thing is honestly, we can walk away from here today and think we're better prayer warriors. 
whether or not we've actually prayed, because we've, we've talked about prayer for an hour. So it feels like, wow, I'm, I'm on the mountain. Well, the truth is, we may not have even conversed with God in, in, a, in a setting like this. And so we can read a book about prayer and think we're better prayer warriors and still never talk to God. And so I, I don't want us to land there. Nevertheless, uh, Paul Miller's book, A Praying Life, uh, is, is just a really helpful, practical uh, look at prayer. Tom Elvis' book, A Passion for Prayer, uh, primarily because I know Tom and I know that he lives what he writes. So that, that compels me to want to read what, what he has written. The other thing I would say in getting started, I tell my students this all the time, and any of you have had me in class, you'll know this. Uh, I want us to learn how to use our 10 minutes. Meaning throughout the day, we, we have 10 minute segments of time that we can use more productively with regard to our walk with God. Uh, and I'm not talking about setting aside an hour. I'm talking about finding 10 minutes where you can just step back a little bit and open up the word and pray a little bit. Um, when, I, when I teach an eight-hour class, occasionally I'll, I'll work through the day, and six times during the day we'll take 10 minutes and pray. Um, I won't tell the students what I'm doing. We'll just take 10 minutes. I'll say, I want you to take 10 minutes and pray for your family. 10 minutes now I'm going to pray for your neighbors, pray for missionaries, pray for us as faculty. Uh, then the next day I'll ask them, how, how long did we pray yesterday? Uh, and they, they compute it and we prayed an hour yesterday. Well, yeah, yeah we did. Uh, but it didn't feel like an hour because we were doing it in six, ten-minute segments. I, I think we're... I don't think it's accurate to say that if we pray 60 consecutive minutes that somehow that's more godly than figuring out how to pray throughout the day. Uh, so find the, find the 10 minutes. Start there. You're never going to get more than that unless you start somewhere. So start with the brief prayer and let that grow. Um, Paul Miller's A Praying Life and Praying Life. And Tom Elif, a passion for prayer. Now, I would uh, just underscore uh, Miller's book, just with regard to what you said about your kids, because one of the things that uh, Paul Miller does is he he shows how his prayer life was, uh, you know, it, how it interacted with his kids, you know, and so some good examples in there. Um, I would mention a book called Transforming Prayer um, by a guy named Daniel Henderson. Uh, Daniel's a friend and one of the, just a great teacher on prayer, but more so a, you know, a man of prayer. Uh, and one of his big deals is, uh, is, is leading us not to be list-driven, which most of us are, you know, I got a prayer book, prayer list, and I just go through my list and it becomes very rigid, but shifting that to where we glance at our list and our focus is on communion with the Lord. So some very practical helps uh, in that book uh, that, you know, that, that, you know, might be some handles uh, to, to get your arms around. The most practical tool for me that helped me learn to pray, and I still use many of the elements in this, is a, is a prayer book called the 2959 Plan. It was uh, written by Peter Lord a number of years ago. 
Um, and 2959 comes from, it's, it was designed to help people learn how to pray for 30 minutes a day, you know, 2959, um, which I don't know why they called it and call it 30, but it's, that's, that's the name of it. And it has some really, it's, it's got some great spiritual warfare resources in it. It's got uh, tools to help prayer, help you make prayer worship. Uh, you know, worshiping the Lord, but then also some practical things to help you organize the things that you do pray for, you know, that, that are part of your list. So. Okay, we have time for maybe one more, and then afterwards, um, so I'm going to, uh, either, either one, okay, you're both going to point at the other one. So, uh, uh, Kathleen, yeah. We'll, uh, so go ahead. Um, how can we take some of these concepts of... Um, enriching our personal prayer lives and applying them into our local church context where we mainly see prayer modeled as like transition during uh, church service and on Wednesday night prayer meetings when the list mainly consists of um, physical needs which I'm not denoting the need to pray for physical needs but there are no like rejoicings or thanksgivings or spiritual needs mentioned um, how can we take some of these concepts and, and kind of apply them into our local church context, context when those things feel just more rigid and things like that? Yeah, I would, I would change our thinking some because we, we think that we've got to take this into our local church. But the way we do that is we take that into the lives of other people in our church. And so rather than being overly concerned about how I change the whole church, I'm, I'm going to ask the question, how might I help walk with two or three other people uh, in helping them pray? They help me pray, likely in my small group, where I already have some connections and some relational ties, uh, and then let that filter. Uh, building prayer into a church is seldom quick. Uh, it's usually slow. It's tedious. You've got to be patient. You've got to be trusting and it happens one life at a time. So I'd find those people who are already connected with you and have some honest conversations. You know, I struggle with prayer. Maybe you do too. Can we talk together about how we can help each other pray? The Bible is not lacking uh, with information, you know, and teaching uh, and modeling on prayer. And so one of the things in the public arena, for both preachers, pastors, Bible teachers, men and women, uh, is, is teaching scripture uh, on prayer. Uh, D.A. Carson wrote a wonderful book called uh, Praying with Paul, and uh, Dr. Lawless mentioned the prayers of Paul earlier, and he just leans into those and, you know, and really helps us learn, here's how we pray that moves beyond, because you nailed it. What you said about most Baptist prayer meetings, you know, is, is true. You know, when we come in and we, we basically gossip for, you know, 45 minutes and then pray for three minutes uh, is what a lot of, you know, Baptist prayer meetings look like. And I know that's a generalization, but probably most of us have experienced that. And there does need to be, you know, there does need to be a reformation uh, in that, that area. And I think some of that can come with some good Bible teaching on the subject of prayer and of the prayers that we do have in the Bible. And that can be done, you know, both in corporate gatherings as well as small group Bible studies. So. 